0: This presentation is from Managing Design 2016, held in Sydney. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Okay, today I'm just going to give you some 10, ten learnings from having been a, sort of a design manager for the past 12 to 14 years in the, in the digital space, keeping it short and sharp. Um, Okay, so my name is Amir. I head up the user experience practice at Dias. Dias is an end-to-end technology consultancy. We basically build solutions that our clients need to help them with their, I guess, business goals and their, you know, their customers. Uh, we basically have software developers, front-end, back-end. We've got um, um, hardware guys. We've got business analysts. We've got you know, QA. And um, obviously, we've got user experience and design. And DS is, uh, I guess, uh, based in Melbourne and Sydney. OK, so first learning, let's talk about tools. Oh, yeah, clicker. I forgot about the clicker. So there are a lot of tools out there, right? <laughs> Some are bigger than others. We don't advocate all of them. Um, it plays much better on my computer. Um, but. Three, four years ago, you could say, you know, in the account in a single hand, the tools that designers need to do their job. You know, a bit of Aksha, maybe Silverback to do some testing, maybe Moray right, if you want to get a bit hands on, and maybe a couple of mobile tools. On a weekly basis, there are more tools popping up where my guys come and tell me, oh, have you seen this? Have you seen that? And it's come to a point that I can no longer control and, or even try to mandate and uh, for us to use a consistent set of tools. So I guess what I'm, you know, the learning that I've got is that. Um, My designers have a preference. Some of them have different tool needs than others. And as long as they can get their job done and be efficient, I guess that's the most priority for me. Uh, At the moment, I guess the flavor of the month is Sketch, Zeppelin to share the designs, look back to do the testing, and um, obviously Slack. But we do that sort of integration and pass the messages back. All right, next thing. Another unicorn snide, right? There are no freaking unicorns, even though I've had to sort of tell that to my six-year-old daughter very lightly and I've broken her heart. Unfortunately, there isn't any. Leading number two, UXs are still people. So if you're moving into a leadership or management role, you will still have to deal with the shitty bit of managing people. Time management, productivity management, performance reviews, resourcing, and the things go on. So don't think just because you're leading or managing a team of UXs that you're going to have an awesome beautiful sort of uh, responsibility where everything just happens easily, right? You're still managing people. Knowledge transfer. It's not easy, okay? <laughs> yes, we're about to prototype this tool. No. Um, so we're a consultancy, so we sort of embed um, cross-functional teams within our clients, which is often a UX, a couple of devs, or four devs, a BA, or an IM, and maybe even a tester. So getting our designers to sort of share thoughts and ideas becomes really, really difficult. Um, especially across Melbourne and Sydney. So I'm not going to go through all of these, but I guess we've tried to use you know, people, technology, and processes to ensure that we sort of remain current and sort of cross-pollinate. I try to make sure that I sort of understand where all my team is at so I can sort of pass on and link people to each other. We use a bunch of communication tools to ensure that we're sort of passing on knowledge and we're capturing it so sort of for searchability and, I guess, future archiving. I guess from the process, a couple of things that are, are working really well is our SIGs or special interest groups. So within DS, we have special interest groups for big data, cloud, front-end, back-end, iOS, Android, and UX. And this is where all our consultants, right? It doesn't have to be just UXs. Any consultants who's interested in that special interest group joins in on a monthly basis, all catered for. Somebody presents something, or somebody's read a book, and we just have a conversation. When we are back in the base, we do try and co-locate, just so we can sort of have that you know, arm's reach length conversations. and. Um, as I guess Cam said, just getting out the door, having a coffee, having a lunch together—that really works for us. But obviously, I think we talked to—I think um, a couple of people talking about uh, design studios as, I guess, one aspect of doing things. And obviously, we're only in Melbourne and Sydney at the moment. But as we start to grow, it's going to become even more important for our team to be able to communicate with each other. So I had a chip in my shoulder. You know, we're hundred people. <laughs> And I thought to myself, how the heck am I going to be able to um, compete in terms of talent hire across the CBAs and the Westpacks and the banks and the tier one and two corporations, right? Where they can afford to pay, you know, 30% more salary um, for the designers they're trying to recruit. But I guess over the years, I've come to appreciate and learn that... um, uh, it's actually a good thing. So the people who take that 30% extra salary and move on to the bank, in fact, have done, me a, have done me a service, which means they're not the right person for my organization. So I don't have to do that extra bit of interviewing. Okay? As long as I understand what the value and I guess the principles that sort of underpin what this is all about, and as long as I'm a passionate about that, I can hire the right people for my team. Okay? So I'm happy to be a Danny DeVito in the design space. Who's had reclet? I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Really, really soft cheese, right? Soft over hard skills. Um, We're a consultancy. So I guess for my designers, it's more important for us to be able to bridge the gap with our client and facilitate awkward conversations in the room of stakeholders or users, (laughs) as opposed to be able to use processes and tools which, let's be honest, we can teach people how to do. We can teach someone how to do card sorting, usability testing, sketching, and so forth. But it's more difficult (laughs) since after lunch, right? But it's more difficult to teach someone how to be able to read body language and facilitate a conversation around a room with a bunch of senior stakeholders who are not engaged. So learning number five, you UX says, for me, I think um, soft skills outweigh hard skills. There's only one of me. And having come from a practitioner 10, 15 years ago where I could get my hands dirty, I no longer have the opportunity, the time, to ensure that I'm across every bit of pixel, or every piece of decision that my team is making. So I guess my learning has been, over the years, I managed to craft my skill to be able to know just enough, be able to ask just enough of the questions to be able to get that piece of knowledge or that piece of activity so I can share it with the rest of the team and the organization. And that's going to be a challenge for practitioners who are moving up the rank to be able to let go. I wish I could do mine reading. Steve Barmer, ex-CEO of Microsoft. He sweats profusely, but he's very passionate about advocating his products. So my learning is, you need to get people outside your design team to advocate what it is that you're trying to push. Human-centered design, you know, customer advocacy, whatever that message happens to be. You need to ensure that you don't just stick to your designers and researchers and pass the message across. You need to find champions in the different departments within your organization who's going to be able to sweat for your cause. It's going to make your job much easier. Sorry, I had to, had to stick another Donald Trump in. i have going to take a piss out of him. So I can't believe he actually said 7-Eleven <laughs> instead of 9-Eleven. I actually think he was probably in seven, at 7-Eleven having a Slurpee, watching the twin tails go down. I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, when I joined DS, I guess DS wasn't on a map externally. And one of my goals was to ensure that we start having a footprint. And in order to do that, made people have to stand on stage. Now that I've got a team, I've realized that everybody has their own strengths and, I guess, fears. And not every one of my designers feels comfortable standing on stage, going to a meetup, and meeting a bunch of strangers or passing their cards. But they have their own skills in terms of running workshops, going to sort of different type of meetups, or sort of writing blogs. So I guess you know, know the strengths of your team to ensure you're getting the best value out of them in terms of the message you're trying to pass across. So this is design management conference, right? So I'm assuming the majority of us are probably leaders or managers in some shape or form. We need to share our experiences, right? We We need to be able to, I guess, talk about our learnings. And I'm just giving three examples of friends of mine in Melbourne who've taken the time in their busy lives to give back to the community. Um, you know, most of them are taught at GA in subshack perform or, or going around doing rounds of clients and giving their, I guess, love and sharing what they've learned. I think it's really important for us to demystify, democratize, all that sort of stuff about what it is that we do. And we need to start with the leaders of this discipline. Almost there. This topic's come up many times. In the past, I mean, we worked for a company called Stanford Interactive, which no longer exists. It was all about generalists, right? We were consultants, we had to be plug and play, end to end. But consulting in the is slightly different. And I've come to also appreciate and realize there are some fantastic specialists. I've got an amazing researcher sitting right here next to me, Lee, right? She just she has a craft that nobody else in the organization has. I've got visual designers that are brilliant. Okay, so I need to now be able to balance sort of the specialist and generalist to make sure. And obviously, resourcing becomes a challenge. But I think that overall, the team's getting a benefit out of that. I did say 10, but I'm going to throw in a 11th one for free, just for today. (laughs) You need to stay front of mind. It's easy to get forgotten, right? Um, Who's this guy, by the way? Um, So what am I saying by that? Okay, so we've talked about, you know, we need to um, manage within inwards and outwards, as Cam highlighted, or upwards, downwards, sideways, inside out, whatever you want to call it. But people have other jobs. People have other priorities. So it doesn't matter how much you're sort of managing stakeholders' You've got to keep repeating that message. People leave organizations. People move sideways within organizations. People forget because they're doing their day job. So I guess what I've learned is that I can't just press that play button once, pass on my message and vision across to the organization and sort of clap my hands and go, done, my job's done. guess the biggest learning is you just have to keep on repeating and rinsing your message. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this presentation from Managing Design 2016. For more presentations from this and other conferences, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.